Kelly did a great job last week. We're doing a little mini series called What is Church? Past, Present, and Future. Kelly is a, like he mentioned, he's a history geek. And so he covered the history. He did a great job explaining what church means, uh, what some of the roots and some of the historicity concerning church. And it means the called out ones, not like called out, like I'm calling you out, but called out. Like ecclesia is the original word, but it also The word ecclesia is also the root for the word eclectic. So, you know, a lot of of religions will try to make everyone in their religion look exactly the same, right? You can tell false religions a lot of times because they will wear certain, uh, like, costumes, I call them. You know, they wear certain clothing that sets them apart as, oh, those guys are fill in the blanks so that I'm politically correct. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? Different religions, like they'll make you wear certain different clothing or you have to, you know, like, for example, wear a burqa in some countries if you're female or, you know, there, there are just a lot of different things. But really what the real original definition means is called out to become who you were called to be, the church, that we Those people who named the name of Jesus were called saints. Say that. Say, I'm a saint. Say it again. I'm a saint. You know, saint has kind of a strange reputation, but what it means is one who belongs to Jesus. One who is called by the name of Jesus Christ, a saint. You know, saints versus sinners, that whole thing. It really just means, first of all, I just want to say this. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Can you guys agree with that? Everyone has sinned, right? Raise your hand if you've ever sinned. Raise your hand if you just sinned like this morning. Okay. (laughs) You're forgiven. (laughs) We are all sinners. We have all sinned. That's the definition. If you've ever sinned, you are a sinner. But the difference is Christians have received the sacrifice Jesus Christ offered on the cross. And therefore, we are now called saints. Say it again. I'm a saint. You guys don't seem too excited about that. Say it again with feeling. Say, I'm a saint. (laughs) Now turn to the person next to you and go, I'm still questioning yours. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't mean to stir up division. (laughs) So what is church? What is church? Um, my husband, uh, he, he was uh, sharing the Lord with one of our neighbors. And the, our neighbor said, I hate church. I hate the church. My husband goes, oh, well, is it the building that you hate? Do you hate the building? And the guy's like, no. And he goes, oh, well, then you must hate the people. And the guy's like, well, no, I don't hate the people. And he goes, what else is church? What this guy was really saying that he hated was the restrictions and the regulations and the laws and the, and the, um, the, these, these are things you can do. These are things you can't do. People don't want to feel restricted. They want to feel free. And so that is essentially what this guy was saying. So what the church is, is an eclectic group of saints Saints are the individuals, but together we form the church. 
Now, I know that this, this word has a bad reputation also, the word church. It conjures up ideas of gothic old buildings and monks and, you know, all kinds of things. But really, what the church is today is you. You. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are the church. Now turn to yourself and say, I am the church. Ecclesia, we're eclectic. And the Lord has created each and every one of us for a purpose. Here at The Adventure, we have always believed that our most important and our highest goal is to love God first and foremost, and then to love other people. Love God, love people. Pretty simple. Doesn't get much more complicated than that. That kind of is all-inclusive. That kind of covers over everything. Does it not? We also believe that one of the ways we can personally love people is to let them discover who they were created to be, who the Lord created them to be. Because each and every one of us, as we talked about in our last series on the spiritual gifts, each and every one of us has been given gifts from the Lord. But a lot of people don't really believe that they have. Most people don't believe they have gifts. They can look at other people and think, oh, well, of course, that person has a gift. Of course, the the worship team, they have gifts. And of course, other people have gifts, but I don't have gifts. That is not the fact. The fact is, if you were created, which I believe we all were, you were created for purpose. Every one of us is created for purpose. And that's what makes each and every one of the individual saints make up the church. And we believe that we want to help people grow their lives. So we talk about life world dream. Grow your life. Grow your personal relationship with Jesus. Have a solid relationship with the Lord. The only reason that we meet here on Sunday mornings or any time that we meet is so that you can have an encounter with God. So for, for people to say things like, well, how is church? It's like, well, church was church. I mean, church was what you should be asking one another is, did you encounter God today? Did you experience God? Because the fact is, it doesn't matter if, if the music is perfect or if, if they... Um, you know, everybody says hi to you on the way in or, or whatever the thing is or if the music was too loud or if it was too quiet or there was a baby crying or whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter. The whole purpose for us coming together, as Kelly mentioned last week, is to assemble together because there's a spiritual dynamic, which we're going to talk about today. There's a dynamic that is released. There is an authority from heaven. There is a power that we have when we are saints coming together as the church. And that's what we're going to talk about today and how to release that power. Are you excited? I'm so excited. So excited. Turn in your Bibles, if you have your Bible here with you, to Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to start with verse 13. It says, Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples. Okay, anytime Jesus asks you a question, it's not just to make conversation. Jesus is asking this question for a specific purpose, okay? Jesus is saying, 
who do people say that the son of man is? Now, for Jesus to say that he's a son of man was considered at that time blasphemous. But Jesus was Messiah. He had already revealed himself as the Christ, as the Savior, as the Redeemer. And so it says, who do people say the Son of Man is? Jesus is kind of like, so what's my reputation? Like, what are people saying about me? When my brother and I were little, um, we used to, every single night, don't tell my parents this, but every single night he would crawl across the hall and then he would stick his head in my room and then we would have this conversation it would always start out with, did anybody say anything about me today? Every single night we had this conversation. And then we would share with each other, you know, if, the, if our love interest, I mean, this is when we were pretty young, you know. Anybody say anything about me today? Don't you wonder at times, what do people say about you? Who do people say you are? In my, in my courses, we're... Um, I'm getting a master's and we're studying um, the personal life of the leader. And one of the things that that is really significant is to be what's called self-aware. Being self-aware. Trust me, Jesus was self-aware. Jesus wasn't asking these guys, like my brother and I were like, anybody say anything about me? Jesus was asking because he has an agenda. Whenever Jesus asks you a question or asks anyone a question, he has an agenda. So here was their response. They replied, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But you, who do you say that I am? So Simon Peter, of course, he's the first one to jump out of the gate and answer, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You are the Christ. You are the one who has come to seek and save the lost. You are the one who we have been waiting for. I want to ask you, who do you say Jesus is? Is Jesus just a good teacher? Was he just another philosopher? Was he just a prophet? Or, as the Bible says, Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God Almighty who took on human form and came, and it says, and he dwelt among us? Now, if Jesus Christ is God, if he is who he says he is, he wants to make this point to the disciples, and he wants to make this point with us. Jesus is not just this guy who came and walked on earth and did a lot of nice things and kind of performed some miracles and, you know, kind of taught us some really good things. Jesus Christ is God. Can you say that out loud? Jesus Christ is God. The God who who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the God who created those mountains out there and the ocean, and the God who knows everything, knows how many hairs we have on our head, the God who knows everything. Jesus Christ became flesh. He became a human. And the whole point that he, the whole reason for doing that was so that he could walk and live a sinless life and then take on the sin of the whole world so we could be reconciled with the, with the Father, with the Heavenly Father. And so when Jesus says, who do you say that I am? I want to ask you, who is Jesus? 
Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God Almighty? Because if you do believe that, this requires a response. You can't just believe that and be like, ah, I think Jesus Christ is God Almighty, but I'm just going to go and get a bagel. It's not like that. Jesus Christ is God Almighty, and he wants us to ask this question. Who do you say Jesus is? Who is Jesus? Is he the Lord of your life? Is he the Lord over all, like we sang? He is Lord of all. Is he? Is he Lord of all? It says here, Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And and Jesus responded, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. But my father in heaven, and I also say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And get this now, this is the significant point that I really want to make today. The gates of Hades, the gates of hell, will not overpower it. You know, a lot of people are saying, you know, that, that with COVID, the church is diminishing. And if we continue at this rate, the church is going to be wiped out. There will be no church in 20, 30, 40 years. People are actually saying things like this. That's not what I read. I read right here and I believe that Jesus says he will build his church. And the gates of hell will not overpower it. They will not prevail against it. They will not overcome it. And so moving on to listen, listen this, Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will give you. He's not just talking about Peter. Peter's a guy who follows Jesus. Peter is, Peter is one of Jesus's disciples. And we saints are his disciples too. And Jesus is saying the same thing to us. He wants to give us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. How's that bagel sounding right about now? Not so big, not such a big deal, right? Jesus says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. All right, this is one of the most overused uh, concepts in crazy churches, (laughs) okay? These are churches that are, you know, they're always talking about, I'm going to bind that. I bind that in the name of Jesus. I loose that in the name of Jesus. Usually they do it opposite of how they should. Because this is actually talking about a legal term. This is talking about an authority that has been given. And if you name the name of Jesus Christ, if you have, if you have received Christ as your Savior, if he is Lord of all, if he is the Lord of your life, it says he will give you the keys of the kingdom. He will give you authority that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. This means legally, like this is bound And whatever you loose, those things that you release and loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So what does this mean? This means those things that you don't need in your life, the the addictions, the, 
the shortcomings, the weaknesses, the sins, all of these things. You know, the Bible says that God has given us the, the authority over sin and death. He has, he has released us. We are not to be slaves of our, quote, sin. We don't have to be. We are not obligated because it's saying here that if you loose these things, they will be loosed in heaven. It's a contract. It's the authority that he's given us by giving us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I, I brought some keys today. I want to show you this little example. Let's say that you want to start your car, okay? You want to start your car. You just go grab some keys and go start your car. Is that how that works? Is that how that works? You just grab a set of keys, any old key? What do you have to do? You have to get the right key for the right car. Okay, so let's say I'm going to go, I'm going to try to go start my car. I'm just going to grab this key. I'm going to go try to start the car. Well, this is a key to my house. So I'm going to head out there, sit down in my car. It won't even fit. So who needs that one? Okay. Then I have this one with a couple of mystery keys. That will not work. Anybody else have mystery keys? You just don't want to throw them away because you're like, this might unlock something someday. (laughs) Confessions of a hoarder. Okay, so then you have all these. I have all these other keys. Are these going to work? Are these my car keys? No, these are not my car keys. None of these are my car keys. There may be a house key or two on here. I don't know. So are those keys going to work? Okay, what about this? This is a pretty cool looking key. I bet this one will open. This will turn on my car because it looks cool. Also a mystery key. Sit down in my... God, that doesn't even come close. You can't even get this one in the ignition either. Okay? So what about this one? Oh, this one looks legit, doesn't it? I'm going to try this one in my car. Ugh, it's not for my car. You see what, you're getting the point here? It doesn't matter if you have keys that don't work. You have to use the keys of the kingdom. So now here is the actual key to my car, which I have been told will cost me half of my kingdom to get replaced. So I have been very careful (laughs) with this key not to lose it. (laughs) So this is the key to my car. So now what happens? I go sit in my car, put it in the ignition, turn it, and what happens? Yes? This is what Jesus wants to do for us saints, people from the adventure who grow their lives. Jesus wants to give us the keys to impact our world and to live our dreams. This is, this is why the adventure exists, to love God, to love people, but to help people grow their lives, impact their world. And we're going to talk a little about that today, about the church. What does Jesus say about the church? It's saying he's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, 
It doesn't say one key, like my precious key to my car that I don't ever want to lose. He's given us keys of the kingdom. Now, these have been handed to us by Jesus Christ. These keys must be in the context of the body of Christ, which is called the church, the ecclesia, the eclectic ones, the ones that are called out, the ones that are chosen, the ones who are part of the body of Christ. That is the only way any of these keys will work. Have you ever gone into the bank and said, could I have $1,000? And, and they, they will typically ask you for what? Yeah. So if I go into the bank and I'm like, hey, could I have $1,000? They'll be like, no. And I'm like, well, my account number is 745. And then they'll say, yes, we'll look into that. There's not $1,000 in your account. So, but won't they give you access to your account? Then, if you have the keys, the code, the, the account number, I'm telling you, Jesus has given each one of you the account number. Each one of you contains the account number for the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Turn to the person next to you and go, this is epic. Wow. Come on, one more time. This is epic. These are the keys to the kingdom of heaven. This is prayer and Bible reading. I mean, not just Bible reading to check it off a to-do list. This is Bible reading so that you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. When you read the Bible, it's not just for the purpose of, okay, got that out of the way. Reading the Bible is so that you are changed, so that you are set free, so that you are released to become who you are called to be. That's growing your life. Reading the Bible actually reading it and getting something out of it. You know, a lot of times when I open up the Bible, I will wait until I hear something from God. Sometimes it's the first sentence I read, right? You have those times where you open it up, you're like, whoa, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. But other times, I just sit and read, and then all of a sudden, there's the bold print verses. Those are the ones Jesus wants to speak. This is opening up one of the keys to the kingdom of heaven. He's giving us some authority. He's giving us the ability to loose some things, to see some things released and set free. Maybe it's people in our lives who are bound and we're reading the Bible and all of a sudden we get this verse and we're like, yes, I'm gonna pray this over that person. I'm going to pray this over that person until they are set free. So there's prayer. Jesus tells us to ask him, says, whatever we ask, and especially church, saints, if there are two or three gathered in his name. That is when, you know, you know like in court, you have to have witnesses, right? You can't Somebody just can't come and say, hey, they just stole from me. 
that doesn't mean much. And actually, throughout the Bible, it always says you ha- that, that you can't just accuse someone with just one person. And the New Testament even says, don't ever even listen to an accusation about against an elder in the church or against a leader in the church unless there's two or three witnesses. It says, don't even believe it. Don't even take it in. It's talking about asking God, coming together, agreeing with other people in prayer. Two or three witnesses. You know, if I go to court and say, somebody stole from me, and the person says, "Uh uh-uh, it's not going to mean anything. But what about if I go to court and I've had three people who watched, they stole my car. Let's say, let's say, or I mean that somebody that I'm accusing stole my car and I have two or three witnesses. People I don't even know, maybe. Don't you think my, my chances of winning this court case, this accusation against somebody stealing my car, is going to be much more powerful if I have two or three witnesses than if it's just my word against this other person's word? This is a spiritual principle that Jesus is talking about. He's saying that if we come together as believers in Christ and ask God for anything, it says he will give it. Now, this is not talking about asking for just stuff. Because I know that there's a whole false uh, church, I will say, that believes in if you just call it out, it's going to happen. That is arrogance, okay? That is, people put their faith in their faith. We need to put our faith in the faithful one who is faithful even when we're faithless. And so we have access to the keys of kingdom through prayer, through asking with two or three. There is power. There is power in praying with other believers, speaking things out loud, and then watching God act, watching God do miracles. Then, There's Bible reading, as I mentioned. There's fasting. There's serving. There's giving. All of these things release something from the kingdom of heaven. Because it says whatever is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. So binding and loosing means you're releasing something, releasing blessings for people, when you pray blessings on them, you're releasing the spirit of God to, to draw them near when you're blessing them, when you're, say, when you're praying for their salvation. Does this make sense? But then there's loosing. And this is when somebody is already bound by something or we are bound by something. Some sin or some trauma or something has negatively impacted us and it, and it affects the way that we function. It affects the way we think, the way we speak, the way we act. And the Lord is saying, I want to set you free. I want to loose that part of you. And he's saying that when we come together as believers, we can see people delivered. We can see people loosed, people set free, people free to walk in who they are called to be. Amen? Anybody? And Jesus wants to give us this authority. And it says, and it says, then he gave the disciples orders to tell no one that he was the Messiah. Ephesians 1 verse 22 says, he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him, Jesus, as head over everything. Say everything. For the church. Say that. 
for the church. If you, if you meet a person and they're like, well, yeah, I'm a spiritual person, but I just don't believe in the whole organized religion thing. I just, I just don't go to church. I just, these keys are worthless to that person. Jesus wants us in relationship. I had a dear friend once who said, you could sum up the Bible in one word. Do you know what that word is? Relationship. If you think about it, it's all about our relationship with God and our relationship to others. The Bible is all about loving relationships, first and foremost with God and then with other believers. And this is what the Lord wants to release in the church, that we would see the value. It's not about Sunday morning. It's not about the building. It's not about just doing stuff just to do stuff. It's about transformation. That's why we exist as a church, so that we can be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. That's what church is for. The reason that we come together, and I believe, I think it's significant that we come together and worship together and pray together and and listen to the word of God together. Obviously, I think that's important. But that's not really what church is. Say it again. Say, I am the church. I am the church. Turn to the person and say, you are the church. You've been convinced now. It says, he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, for the called out ones, for the ones that he has chosen. And it says, which is his body. So that's why we talk about the body of Christ is the people. It's the saints, the conglomeration of saints, all of whom have different spiritual gifts. And it says, and the fullness of the one who fill." fills all things in every way. The message says it this way, the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he fills everything with his presence. When you come to church on Sunday morning, when you come in here or you you go where there's an assembly of believers, the assembly of God, as Kelly was talking about last week, when you get together with other believers, the The whole point of getting together with other believers is to draw near to God, to be transformed in his presence. And this is what we pray for you. We pray before you get here. We pray over these chairs. We pray and we ask, Holy Spirit, transform people today. It's called a church fail if you walk in the same way that you walk out. You should be changed in his presence, coming into his presence with thanksgiving in your heart, praising God and inviting him, Lord, do a new thing in me today. I was at an event yesterday, and it um, it, it was several women leaders from throughout the valley um, all of these are women who have given themselves fully to the kingdom of heaven. And at first, you could kind of tell, because none of us really knew each other, or a lot of us didn't know each other. And so we were just all kind of a little tentative, you know, a little hesitant. But by the end of the night, 
It was like we became the church. Like there was a unity there. We prayed over one another. We loved one another. We encouraged one another. That's what church is. It's not some organization that just exists to just check off a to-do on your to-do list or to make you feel like you're okay. Church is about embracing what God has called you to do and to be. To loving God with all your heart and loving others as you love yourself or, or loving others even more importantly in the same way He loves us without condition. You know, too many people think going to church, you know, well, you know, you stand and look and you judge someone. You're like, that guy. I don't even know why he goes to church. Judgmentalism is not a spiritual gift. It's really not. We are called to love without condition. And so this morning, I just want to ask you, we're going to have a little time of just... um, coming before the Lord and I know Kelly last week talked about church hurt he talked about people who have been hurt by the the church aka people because that's what it is this morning if you have any bitterness or any any irritation even or hurt from someone who's in the church any church, I'm not just talking about the adventure, I'm talking about the body of Christ. Can you just release that to the Lord? Can you just get set free from bitterness? Bitterness really tends to cloud your vision, and Jesus wants us, especially this year, to have 2020 vision for real. God is doing something in the earth, and I do believe the coronavirus is, is being used mightily by the Spirit of the living God to turn up the heat, to get us to change, to get us to become more and more. So I want to ask you, who do you say Jesus is? And I want to ask this too. At the end of coronavirus, are you going to look more like Jesus? Or are you going to look like the worst version of yourself? Because he wants to do something in the church. He wants the church to become his beautiful, spotless bride so that he can return. Jesus wants to come back and take his bride to be with them. And I believe he is coming soon. Amen. You don't want to be somebody who's bound by bitterness or bound by resentment or bound by annoyance. Do you? Can we just pray together? And if you have anyone, can you stand with me? Well, Lord Jesus, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you that you have promised to give us the keys to the kingdom. Lord, we thank you that you have promised that what what we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What we loose, what we release on earth will be released in heaven. And I believe that has to do with forgiveness too. So right now, Lord, each one of us, we, we have that person or people in our minds in our mind's eye, Lord, and and we want to release them. God, in the same way you poured out forgiveness on us, we want to release this person, these people, Lord. Lord, teach us to love the way you love. Teach us to love you first and foremost, God. Teach us to, to say no to the things of this world, Lord, teach us to love you and then pour your love into our hearts 
through the Holy Spirit so we can love others the way you love others. Help us to forgive them and release them, Lord. And we just thank you that you are so good. We thank you, God, that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. We bless you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I will see you next week. Go out and be the church. Okay? Amen?